Coming up on the Louis Diaz podcast. You don't realize that the culmination of those little things is what makes the journey. I think everyone's waiting for that like firework finale at the end. And, they, and then they kind of realize that the fireworks have been going off this whole time. You just haven't been paying attention, you know? Hello, and welcome to the Louis Diaz podcast. Every day, I come across some of the most incredibly fascinating and authentic people from all walks of life. And together, we're inviting you in to be our special guest as we take you through some of their amazing experiences, adventures, and journeys. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Louis Diaz Podcast. Okay, we're recording. Hi, Andrew Dean, or Drew, from Drew Travels. How you doing? Good, man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate now, it. It's really great to have you here. Honestly, it's been um, a little exciting for me to think about having you on the show because I'm such a big fan of your your work uh, that you well of your reels and the photos that you take and it seems like you know you have a very go big or go home kind of approach to the work that you do and I kind of love it It, am I right in saying that no no I I definitely do um you know, when I when I started the Instagram thing a couple of years ago, I was actually really against Instagram for the longest time. Um, I thought it was the dumbest platform ever. I'm like, you just share pictures and it didn't really make sense to me. Um, and I had some friends that were like, well, you just take so many photos, you gotta, you have to put them somewhere. Um, and I started posting them and nothing really took off for a while. Um, it was just being consistent for, you know, like a good two years before I really started to see any traction. But yeah, and, and I think what, what made me really excited about it was kind of realizing that the world is a really small place and social media, Instagram, whatever, is a, is a really unique way to to meet people that would otherwise seem really unattainable. And so, yeah, to, to your point of going bigger, going home, I think that was kind of it. It was like, maybe I can be like some of these really big guys out there, guys and gals that are doing it, you know? Mm. Yeah, and, and I think you're right, like, uh, especially, you know, with the podcast, first starting out with a few people in my close network and then right. realizing that I was going to quickly run out of people in my network to podcast with and sort of jumping online and, you know, trying to find amazing people like yourself that would be interested in recording and sharing a story. And then, sure. yeah, you realize that the world really is small and we're only a Zoom call away and it's so nice to be able to connect and, and feel connected to people that are so far away and, and create these communities that are so, I guess, tight, but so distant, right. um, which I really love about it. But I mean, like, tell me, did you always grow up wanting to be a, a photographer, a traveler, um, an inspirer of sorts? Um, no, I don't think. I actually wanted to be an airline pilot. That was my goal when I was a kid. Uh, for the longest time, I wanted to be a pilot. And I think what I figured out as I got older you know, because everyone jokes like uh, what you want out of life is going to change as you as you get older. And, and, and when you're younger, when you're like 17, 18, you're like, the hell it ain't like it's never going to change. I know what I want. I know who I am. And then, you know, you get 25, 27, 30, 32. And you're like, wow, yeah, it, it did change. But I think what changed for me was realizing that the reason I wanted to be a pilot was because I wanted to travel. Not because I necessarily wanted to be, you know, stuck in a seat for 14 hours hauling people around. <laughs> and so I think, yeah, kind of that breakthrough moment was realizing that you can separate uh, what your calling is from a job. And I think a lot of people think that the two things are intrinsically connected, that you have to have a job that satisfies your calling. Um, and I don't think that was necessarily the case uh, for me. I think I was able to thankfully 
separate that I, I, I really want to travel and I want to meet new people. And I think I was able to separate that from, ha- from having to have a job that, that defined that. That's super interesting because we, before we started recording, before I pressed the record button, and that's usually when people say their most profound bits when I'm not recording, <laughs> um, you were talking about the whole not having this incredible, profound breakthrough travel experience, but sort of building a life that's centered around um, being able to be consistent with your travels and still hold down a steady sort of job. And yeah, I, I really love that, actually. I love that you say that like that, because when you said it, it just made me feel a little bit more grounded. Like, oh, yeah, you don't have to hit home runs in life all the time you can sort of just baseball analogy which i don't use here in australia very often (laughs) um you don't have to hit home runs all the time you can just sort of chip to and and get to first base you know and just continue to do that and you keep running to first base here or there you're going to eventually have a a lifetime of home runs right yeah i mean the whole the the game is one on singles and doubles (laughs) if you only won the game on home runs you would lose every game (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And again, not a big baseball fan um, because we don't get it much here in Australia. But um, yeah, great analogy for it. Yeah, I don't... Uh, when you when you originally reached out to me to kind of work together a little bit on this, um, I went through and I listened to several of your of your episodes and, and you're right. I, I do think that the general theme was that a lot of people, at least the ones that get the most kind of um, screen time, seem to be the ones that have these really breakthrough monumental travel things you know and and a lot of the folks that i know um i just finished a trip with emmett sparling for example um and he's you know he's got like a million followers and works with national geographic and all these huge guys and um and i think his you know breakthrough was deciding that he was going to um not go to film school and instead use the money to go to south america and you know it's like you have these huge monumental swings where it kind of just defines who you are as a person um uh, you know, I have she, she's another big one that, you know, kind of same thing happened to her. And, um, you know, p- people that talk about, uh, I just decided to go to Mexico with, you know, 200 bucks in my pocket and see what happens. And it just, that was never my, that was my, never my story. Um, I just kind of did it slow and gradual and, um, and yeah, I feel like I'm doing it my way. Yeah. And I mean, everyone's got a different way of doing things, right. But you know, we're here now and the quality of your work speaks for itself. Um, however you've managed to sort of string it together has been definitely your own journey, but I'm blown away by the stuff that you produce, but also how much fun you seem to have when you're doing it, um, how much you share with people as well. Um, I loved that little, there was a piece that you shared a little while ago about sort of going up with a drone. There was a particular location. I'm not sure if it was a Dolomite or something. And then um you found that it wasn't actually as good a location as what you thought and then there was like a little puddle or a lake or something like that where you found this reflection and you know just sharing that with people i think gives them a lot of insight into who you are as a person um and how much fun you like to have with what you do and how it sort of blows you away when you're doing it and not just them when they're watching it yeah you know it's crazy i don't i i think that people looking from the outside in will see, uh, you know, a reel or a video like that. And they'll think, holy crap, like, how, how did this guy think of that? And uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> I can't give any credit to myself at all. The only reason that we found that puddle uh, was because my, my partner at the time who was, who was traveling with me, uh, his, name's, his name's Nicholas. Uh, he's a Danish photographer, um, Nicholas Glued 
on Instagram. Um, he's been one of my landscape kind of idols for ever since I got on Instagram. And, uh, and he messaged me and said, Hey, we got to do a trip to the Dolomites together. I accepted. And, uh, and yeah, I guess all that to say, if it wasn't for him saying, Hey, let's go look for puddles. And when, when he said that, I'm thinking to myself, dude, there's like 30 photographers on the snow back there. Shouldn't we be going, going to them? And he's like, no, he's like, go put your drone over there and see what you think. And I, I flew it over and it was a terrible shot. And he's like, running around looking for puddles and i'm like this guy's crazy and then he found one and he's like look 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 and he's like i get low and there's the shot and i was like oh my god wow and it's like so i can't take any credit i think every time i travel with other people other photographers you just kind of absorb little bits and pieces and styles and you learn new things and it, it's definitely a, a collaborative thing it's not any one person i think yeah and it's a fun process of discovery oh yeah that you probably otherwise wouldn't have if you didn't have the cameras and the objective to shoot these incredible shots. You know, I think often, and I think it was since talking to Nick, who was my last guest, um, you know, that I've kind of come across this really wonderful idea that when you go somewhere with a purpose to discover something sure, um, yeah. and look for it and seek it, and you don't know what it what it's going to be at the time, um, right. but it's a shot or a feeling or something that you open your eyes to where you are a lot differently to when you're just kind of traveling for the sake of it, if that makes sense, or, or going oh, yeah. somewhere just to go hiking. Um, you kind of have this appreciation for a puddle that a hiker wouldn't have because it'd be like, oh, there's a puddle that I've got to walk around. What a pain. Right, right, right. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely a different approach to the traveling when you're going for the purpose of capturing of capturing shots. Yeah, that's, that's a whole different vibe. Yeah. So I guess I'd really love to know that point where you, I mean, you mentioned that you've hated Instagram for a long time, which I can relate to. And I know guys who grew up shooting Super 8 film and taking medium format photos on these yeah. old cameras from the 60s and they swore they'd never use it. So I can totally understand that vibe but then there was obviously a bit before you started uploading your, your work where you were taking photos and I mean what was that point in your life I mean did you find an old photo album somewhere or an old camera that someone gave you and you just started using it no I I mean yeah this is, you know it's, it's funny I pick up the vibe of, of kind of how you launch into some of these questions and I feel like there is someone at some point that you've spoken with where their mother gave them a camera and was like, no, that was me. Was it? No, that's me. Oh man. I don't want to tell you the story about how I, I got my <laughs> no, first camera. Uh, okay. Sure. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> look, the quick version is that I was out with some friends one night. Um, we found this really strange guy. I had just seen Texas chainsaw massacre and this really weird guy decided to um, ask us basically um, to come back to his house, which was really in the middle of nowhere. And when we got there, he broke out a garbage bag full of weed and was like, <laughs> you know, do, do you guys want some? And two of my How friends were... I was, I was uh, 19 oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> and two of my friends were big smokers and they were like, oh yeah, we want some of that. And he's like, oh, I'll go, I'll go and get another garbage bag for you guys. <laughs> and so he was gone for about 10 minutes and my friends had already smoked and they were starting to get paranoid. 
And of course, we're in this house in the middle of nowhere and I had just seen right. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so I'm starting to get triggered by their paranoia. And they're like, should we just run for it? And oh, we were like, yeah, let's just get out of here. Let's just run for it. And on the way out, I saw this incredible old Minolta 35mm SLR camera on top of his fridge and I was like, shit, I'd really like to use that. So I just grabbed it and ran off with it. I love it. <laughs> And that was how he smoked his weed, grabbed this old camera relic off his fridge and booked it. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I got my first camera. And that's how I fell in love with photography. And I shot a lot of really great photos with that camera. I actually just sold it recently for like 50 bucks. That's so crazy. And if I ever see that guy again, Tony Yayo, I'll give him that 50 and I'll apologize for taking his camera. But that's my story. Yeah, maybe it's monumental. I'm not sure, but you know, I feel like everyone has a story that they where they come across their first camera and going, "Yeah, I love this." Right. I think for me, I started out my my passion for photography actually started out with wildlife photography. I was always into being outside and hiking, and and I like the idea of wildlife photography because it's uniquely challenging it's like hunting but you don't actually kill the animal but you got to be close enough that you could like for all intents and purposes if you had a gun if you can take a photo of an animal at that kind of range with clarity um it would be the same as if you were hunting it and so it's like it's kind of all of the instinctual like prey drive to go and like track an animal down and find it and like learn its habitat and learn its habits and then instead of doing harm to it you're capturing a photo of it and you're leaving it alone and you're leaving um, and that was kind of, yeah, that was the beginning of it for me. That's so cool. Yeah. I love that hunting in a totally different way. Right, it's yeah. still a shot. You still shoot, but you're shooting something completely different. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's how it started. And, um, and so what were you doing that? Was that locally in, cause you're, where are you based? I'm in Colorado. Yeah. So there's a lot of wildlife here. We've got the Rocky mountains, you know, a whole bunch of national parks here in, in the U S but yeah, I mean, that's how it started. And it, I think, honestly, I was actually pretty much against landscape photography for the longest time. It's just funny how your how everything evolves and, and changes because I thought landscape was so boring. I'm like, these guys are looking around these tripods and, you know, and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm over here chasing coyotes and wolves. I'm so oh. cool. It's like, so, yeah. <laughs> but then you eventually start to appreciate that, like, there is really incredible landscape stuff out there as well. You just have to look for it. And then it all kind of became a challenge, like what's the coolest wildlife I can get? What's the coolest landscape I can get? What's the most incredible, you know, portraitures I can shoot. And then the, it just kept opening and opening and opening. And <laughs> oh. Yeah. I still remember when I was at art school and we did a photography unit and um, our photography teacher was taking us through all the different styles of photography. But one of the most memorable um, was when he talked about the F64 club, which was guys that were shooting at that F-stop, I guess. What? Uh, the F64 club. Uh, I've never heard of it. I have to look this up now. Yeah. It was a bunch of guys that were shooting landscapes. And the one picture that is etched in my memory forever is this picture of basically the Arizona desert. Right? And you can just see everything so clearly and it's so vast. And it's in black and white. Um, right. But, you know, I, I think there's something to be said for being able to shoot a beautiful landscape because it's definitely st stuck out with me. You're, you're right. It's like initially I thought landscapes would be just this like kind of boring kind of, you know, maybe, maybe for like old guys or whatever. Um, and then I took my first landscape photo. And I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. And then, you know, then I started to realize, okay, there really is something to, <laughs> there is something to this. There's an art to it, right? So what was your first landscape picture of? Do you remember? 
Yeah, it was just here in the mountain. You know, it's it's it wasn't that long ago. Um, I didn't start shooting landscape until about 20, 2020, early 2021. So all of this evolution has happened in the last like two years. No, man, I was wildlife up until the beginning of 2021. And at, at that point, I think I got my first kind of landscape lens. And I was like, let's just take this first spin and see what happens. I was getting ready to go on a trip. Uh, I was going to go on a Euro trip to do, it was basically five countries dipping down into Morocco. And I was like, how stupid would it be just to bring a cell phone on this trip? And so I was like, let me go learn how to shoot landscape. And I went to the Rocky Mountains and I shot my first landscape photo after shooting wildlife for four or five years. And I looked at it and I was like, this is the most horrific photo I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and then it became a challenge. It was like, okay, so now I've got to get good at this whole new thing. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Five countries of traveling will definitely improve your photography. Yeah, I was going through your website and I, I came across a few of the different places that you went to because um, you've got it all really nicely laid out. But I was really keen to learn and see more about Morocco because I'm fascinated. Yeah. And I want to go there. That was such a wild trip. You know, I, Morocco was a blast. You know, it was my first time being in Africa. I guess you can technically call it Africa. Um, and, the, and the goal was to go to the Sahara. And so, yeah, I wanted to shoot astrophotography. And this is, you know, this is one of those stupid stories where, like, it's supposed to crescendo into, like, this grand thing. And then everyone in the room is like, wow, what an amazing traveler. And so the, the crescendo is... I planned out this massive trip and like drove over the Atlas Mountains and down to the other side and like got on camels and like trekked into the Sahara Desert and like stayed at their camp. And then there was three days of overcast and only two hours of overcast were going to break at like one in the morning when theoretically I would be able to get the astro shot that I wanted. And so at one in the morning, the alarm goes off and it's like 20 degrees outside. Well, 20 Fahrenheit. So like whatever that is, negative something Celsius, cold. Yeah. And uh, I bundle up and I do my head wrap and all that stuff. And I like hike out into the Sahara Desert and I like set up my tripod and I shoot and there's nothing there. <laughs> and, I, and so I'm Googling because there's just enough. I'm, I'm at the top of this like dune. And there's just enough cell phone service for some reason at this dune that I'm able to get one bar and I Google why I'm not. And it turns out the Milky Way is all the way on the other side of the planet. It's only out for like half of the year, obviously. And so I was there in like late November and that sucker was all the way down by Australia at this point. So, <laughs> But it's just like one of those stupid stories where it's like, wow, like I didn't think to like look up where it would be. And, you know, now obviously I know that there's there's apps for that and like some of the stuff that we did in the Dolomites, we planned it really well down to like exactly where it would be above a certain peak. Um, but yeah, the first time I tried to shoot Astro, I didn't realize that the Milky Way was on the other side of the globe. Mm. And again, like with this kind of work that you do, you're needing to be connected to the planet, to the elements in a oh, whole yeah. way that other people just don't think about. Like, you know, right. someone just going I to the Sahara. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah um, it's wild, man. So that was your first experience kind of realizing that, hey, the stars just don't come out all the time. I don't know why on thir at that point, 31 years on this planet. And uh, I just, I never, I never knew. Well, who teaches us that stuff? Yeah. Who, who <laughs> teaches? Yeah. You don't learn that anywhere. I think that's the beautiful thing about taking up, a, you know, an art form like photography or any art form is that when you get deep into something, it teaches you stuff about the universe, the planet your community, sure. yourself, that you never would have worked out if you never, you know, went down that route. So, yeah, I think that's really fascinating. And I didn't know that. You've taught me something because I just thought, 
<laughs> I just yeah, I just thought, wow, we've got these amazing stars that come out in the summer, and of course, I'm only seeing them in the summer because in the winter here, I'm not out. Like I'm not yeah, look, exactly. out looking up at the stars. So right. yeah, no, that's super yeah, interesting. It's a wild ride, man. Cool. So I mean, I'm curious to know a little bit more about you've so you've discovered that you're feeling challenged by landscape photography it was, was only two years ago ish we'll call it uh, right. we're getting late in 2022 now and you told me that you took your first shot was really bad <laughs> which surprises me <laughs> considering how the quality of your work looks um, maybe bad by your standards but awesome by everyone else's let's just pretend it's at that level possibly um and then you wanted you decided to persist with the challenge right because you were you were a wildlife guy like you said but then you switched to landscape it was awful at first you've decided to stick it out why did you decide to stick it out and go well this is this is really what i want to do this is what i want to try and get better at yeah yeah that's a good question um is it just challenge a... is it just the challenge because well, I, I it is but you know, if it was honestly, if it was just the challenge of it, I don't think I'm that much of a perfectionist that I would, you know, be like, oh, there's a challenge. I have to beat it at all costs, even if it's boring as hell. <laughs> so, luckily, I think I'm not that kind of a person. Um, but what I what I found through like social media, for example, is like, for example, my buddy Nicholas uh, from Denmark and folks like Emmett Sparling and some of these other incredible photographers that they do everything. They're not just wildlife. They're not just landscape. And so I started to reach out to these folks to network with them. And, uh, you know, so for example, Nicholas and I were chatting for like well over a year before we met in person to go shoot in the Dolomites. And I remember when I first created my Instagram account, he was one of the recommended photographers that popped up. And uh, back then his account was called uh, Dane on a plane. And I just looked at his stuff and I was like, good God, this guy is good. He is really, really good. And then all of a sudden we're chatting and I'm like, and this is a real life dude that like I'm chatting with this guy and then next thing you know, we're like planning to go to the Dolomites together. And I think that was where I started to notice growth was collaborating with other people and like making peers among other photographers that I like. And I think that's where, yeah, I play the Instagram game a little bit, but it's predominantly around for me to meet people like yourself, to meet people like Nicholas and like Emmett, where, you know, the world gets a little bit smaller and maybe you get a little bit bigger. Um, and, and I think that's that was kind of the takeaway for me is like, you can do all of those things. You just have to rub shoulders with the right people and learn the right things. Mm. The world gets a little bit smaller and you get a little bit bigger. Yeah. Gold. Yeah. Love that. Because <laughs> it's so true. I think when you feel like you're experiencing growth, you feel both of those things at the one time. Oh, yeah. So it yeah, must be so satisfying. Uh, you know, it, if you're just doing it just to do it, um, obviously there's going to be some satisfaction, but for me, like there's a little bit of a, so for example, I was watching, uh, a f uh, it was a show on Hulu a couple of months ago and it was about like tourism and how tourism can either hurt or help uh, a local economy. And like, I, I forgot the name. I think it's called the last tourist highly recommended if you guys can want to watch it on YouTube or whatever. But the gist of the story is like, you know, on one side, you've got these bad for the local economy, bad for people, forms of tourism that just exploit. And then on the other side, you've got tourism that is able to like lift up communities and like help provide, you know, um, education and resources for communities that otherwise wouldn't have it. And this is the roundabout way of saying for me, I watched this show and, I, and um, there was this group of women taxi drivers in India that their whole, their whole thing is like helping women that have been battered and kind of like 
um, put in these really difficult positions and, you know, they don't have a really great education and they teach them how to drive and provide them with taxi cabs. And these women are now, you know, feeding their families and, and educating their kids and pulling themselves out of these things. And I remember thinking to myself, I want to go follow these folks if they're on Instagram. I want, to, I want to go follow them. And so I found their Instagram. And like the kind of just the media that they've got going on is like not horrible in the like uh, terrible taste, but just like they don't have exposure to photographers that could have taken the kind of stuff that I feel like they deserve. And so I just DM them and I said, hey, um, I'm thinking about going to India in February. That's kind of my next big trip. Uh, I would love to just meet with you guys for a couple hours and just shoot some free shots for you guys and just get you guys some like really cool photos of your cars and of the, of the ladies. And they were like, wow, that's amazing. We would love to let us know when we'll send a driver and we'll bring you to the headquarters and stuff. And I'm just, you know, after that, that interaction, I like sat back on my couch and I'm like, I just watched a show on Hulu. And like 30 minutes later, I'm chatting with the people that were on that show and offering to do them. Like, it's like, that just blows me away that that even exists. Like you didn't, you couldn't do this 10 years ago. You couldn't just reach out to people that were on TV shows and offer to work together. Yeah, what a trip that would have been just to, yeah, to find yourself in that moment where mm -hmm. you, it's like reaching into your TV screen and it really is shaking yeah. someone's hand and having a conversation with them almost. Yeah, yeah. So look, look out for that, I guess, guys, because uh, middle of March, early March, I'm uh, gonna go meet with these amazing women and go take some glamour shots and uh, see what kind of fun we can get into. Oh, absolutely. I'll reshare all of that stuff because I mean, <laughs> it's so fascinating that you're, um, that you're doing that. And, you know, what a noble thing to do. But also, here we are again. This is part of your personal journey and you've realized, you know, through this platform that you once hated, right, um, right. it's given you the opportunity to have these, you know, incredible life experiences, which is just... Definitely. And at the same time as that filling your cup, you know, you're also doing something really wonderful for them um, and giving them some exposure as well, which I'm sure they're really stoked about. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I think, uh, you know, there's nothing nothing to say that you have to have this like altruistic reason for doing everything. But mm. for me personally, like there's that little bit of like humanitarian on the back end. Like I think fast forward 10 years from now, that's what I would love to be doing is just traveling around to places like this and, and, and doing things like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you got to go with what makes your heart sing and what keeps you motivated. And I think a lot of the time it is connecting with other people. I mean, I was telling a story earlier this week about how six years ago, this week, I, I started giving free skateboarding lessons on, on the local beach. Um, <laughs> no kidding. And it had came, yeah, I had been working on a children's book for like six years before that. And I'd published it and I was, I'd been hustling with it and selling copies and, you know, trying to get stockists and things like that. And sure. I just kind of burnt out through all that. And then one day I decided to give, start giving people free skateboarding lessons on the beach i just went there and held a sign up that said hey free lesson yeah, yeah. let's just connect what and, happened well it blew up um <laughs> that summer changed my life uh you know it was weird at first the first half an sure. hour was really awkward um the beach was packed there was people um staring at their cell phones all over the beach which was why i wanted to change the vibe up half an hour right, later there's right. All of those people that were looking at their cell phones were looking at me skating up and down the beach with this sign. And I was thinking, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> and then suddenly one guy came up and yeah, I gave my first lesson. And it was, yeah, a life-changing experience to be able to, to see how someone that had been afraid to try something now felt comfortable 
and then giving that to them. Um, yeah, so I can completely, on a smaller, much smaller level, relate to that whole. No, I wouldn't, dude. That's the thing, though, right? Like, I think it's all, it's what it's giving back a little bit, and it's and it's that self fulfilling. I don't think there's big or small. You know, I think True. I think the numbers on Instagram are kind of a. Uh, it's all vanity metrics right if yeah. you can just change one person's life that's all that matters yeah absolutely and it's, it's certainly not about vanity metrics for me but yeah i think teaching one person how to skateboard here or there is a, is a bit yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely yeah so that's really inspiring that you've kind of and was this the first time sort of ever reaching out through to a community or or someone via social media and saying i'd really love to shoot this for you just because yeah, I think so. I think everything prior to that was me trying to get collaborations in exchange for hotel stays and kind of the typical travel photographer vibe. And, and I think going back to what you said about, you know, when you're trying to, you know, you were you were trying to publish something for work, essentially, um, and, and you burned out. And I think that's similar, right? Like, it's like, oh, okay, I want to go somewhere and I want to do this. And so I'm messaging 40 and 50 and 60 accommodations at one time. And hacking down their email addresses and trying to figure out who to message it is it burned it burns you out yeah and then like i messaged one you know one taxi company in india that was on a tv show and they're like heck yeah come take some pictures for free and it's like i feel alive again and i feel like you know it doesn't matter that all the other stuff happened before like just giving back a little bit kind of erases all of that mm. you know sitting here sort of with the context that you gave me earlier around how quickly this has all sort of been happening for you from you know five or six years of shooting wildlife to then switching to landscape then having that sort of very fast rise you know to feeling not only a lot more confident with your landscape work but also the connections that you've and the memories that you've made through that work and now you're having this whole new experience as well that you're just about to embark on in march it sounds like we're talking right now in the middle of your evolution right there's something something's evolving and something's brewing for you i feel like this is we're certainly not at the end of the story we're kind of almost at the beginning of what's oh, next for you yeah no 100 percent. i uh my mom told me something a long time ago um and I, i'm probably taking it out of context but it was basically that the the body moves in the, in the direction the head is facing and i think the takeaway on a on a psychological level is what you focus on and what you put your energy towards even if you don't feel like you're moving in that direction at that particular moment eventually you will move in that direction because that's what you're focusing on that's what you're putting your energy into some people call it manifesting but i think you know for for me 2 years ago something clicked and it was like let's focus on this even though it's not my day job and even though i still have to go to the grindstone 9 to 5 and and people don't see that on instagram you know um but I'm still my spare time and my spare energy is is learning how to edit and you know and and getting these collaborations that expand my network and introduce me to cool people like you and to you know and to Nicholas and to Emmett and those kind of folks and I feel like as long as I continue to put my energy in that direction uh, eventually that will push me uh, you know push my whole body push everything else in that way. Yeah, I feel like you're just put into words what I've been feeling for the past two months since sure. I decided to come back to the podcast after two and a half years of, of dropping it through the through the pandemic. What you just described was just, ah, that's that's what it's like in words. Yeah, you just got to keep pushing, man. You got to keep pushing and, and uh, it, it'll seem like nothing's happening. And, and it's probably because nothing is happening, at least on the front end. But on the back end, everything is slowly, you know, shifting in that direction you just can't feel it because you see 
you see it every day. <laughs> well, it's funny because like, you know, sometimes if I've gone a little while without recording with someone, I start to feel like, oh, maybe nothing's happening. And then literally as soon as we start having these conversations, I'm like, yes, I'm like sitting here going, you know, pumping know. my fist and going, yeah, this is why I do this because I love this. I love this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, back again to your point earlier about, you know, not having to have these monumental kind of breakout journeys that define who you are as a person and set you up for the rest of your life. I think it's so wonderful to meet and, and speak to someone like yourself that is way more low key about their journey and how they got to where they are, but still finds like these, I think, quite profound moments to be able to share and talk about along the way. That's the gold. It's those little things in life. Um, sure. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's so great talking to you for sure. You don't, I think, uh, to your point, you don't realize that the culmination of those little things is what makes the journey. I think everyone's waiting for that, like, firework finale at the end, and, they, and then they kind of realize that the fireworks have been going off this whole time and just haven't been paying attention, you know? Yeah, if, if you told me that I would have been having, uh, that I would be smoking hookah with Emmett Sparling in Istanbul two years ago, when I looked at Emmett's account, you know, he's got a million followers and he's shooting for Lexus and, you know, and for Apple and all these brands. And, and it's just like, this guy lives, looks like he's living the dream. And if you told me that, you know, I'd be smoking hookah with him and having a beer and like talking about photography in Istanbul two years, not even two years later, I think you're absolutely crazy. And it's like, but to get to that, it was just a culmination of going out and taking shitty pictures of the mountains <laughs> and figuring out that, that there's no astrophotography to be found in November <laughs> in the Northern Hemisphere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it's, just builds up to it. Yeah. It kind of reminds me about how you laughed at my little setup photo before that I just posted on Instagram. Yeah, See, like, that's how it always is. It looks so pretty on the front end, and then you open up the bag, and like there's crap falling out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's always like that. <laughs> and it doesn't matter who you are either. Like now that I've seen what some of kind of the A-listers look like in person, and I realize, wow, they're all like we're all just regular people. There's no like behind the glimmer, the behind the glimmer of social media, it's just a bunch of guys and gals just making this shit up as we go along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love it. It's so good. So Istanbul was was amazing to watch from afar i loved every minute of it everything you posted please keep posting about istanbul yeah um, man because it's it just yeah you've been able to really capture this historic place that's so culturally rich um the colors they're so vibrant and you believe that's my first time shooting portraits in my entire life right yes and i was about to say and the people that you've captured as well mm. yes there's just so much yeah. yes there I didn't, uh, I think that was predominantly why I wanted to meet up with Emmett because he was putting on a workshop that was specifically focused around portraiture and I couldn't, I mean, that, that, I, I thought landscape was boring, man, portraits were like 50, 50 clicks below landscape. When I originally started shooting, I was like taking pictures of other people. That must be, the, that's like the epitome of boring, like mountains that don't move. That's like first level boring people. That's even more boring. You know, I, I was that much of a wildlife snob. And then, yeah, uh, you know, just going to Istanbul and, um, and learning how to shoot portraits and then realizing, wow, this is, it's like, it's really gratifying when you can like connect with someone without having to speak with them. And then you just get like this total banger shot that looks amazing and you show them and they like, they've clearly never had a picture taken of them like that before in their lives. And, and that's yours. And it's just like, yeah. So, I mean, the purpose of going to Istanbul was for a portrait workshop. Is that what I'm picking uh, yeah, up? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was it was to go. Uh, Emmett Sparling was was putting on a, a kind of uh, very small uh, for people that were kind of in that in that circle of 
um, of photographers and we just kind of rented an Airbnb and it was just going out to kind of the same thing, the old bazaar and the spice market and just going and shooting. And then we'd go back at the end of the day and, um, you know, we'd, we'd do like editing sessions because I mean, Emmett, Emmett's stuff is out of control. Like his editing style, I was kind of joking when I went into the workshop, I was thinking if I can just figure out what his secret sauce is, you know, that, that, would, that would be amazing, you know, if I could just figure out what that secret sauce is. And then watching him edit a picture and it's like watching like someone cook, you know, a five course meal, there's like 200 ingredients and every little piece comes together to make this fantastic thing at the end. And there really is no secret sauce. It's just the whole, you know, labor of it finally coming together. And it was like, man, there's so much more to this than I could have ever imagined. Yeah. Wow. So you're getting firsthand experience with, I get you call him one of your heroes of, oh, yeah. of the photography yeah. scene. So there you are meeting him in person. You're getting firsthand sort of tutelage on not only the production side of photography, but also the post-production side of it, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, you're also learning how to shoot um, portraits for the first time. Mm -hmm. You're also probably in Istanbul for the first time. I was, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's a whole lot going on there for you emotionally, I, I, I can imagine, and, and mentally as well. You're probably, yeah, yeah. your sensory overload. And the crazy thing is I didn't have to uh, sell my house and pack all my bags and put everything into one backpack and like set sail to go do it either. Like, I, I think the takeaway is, you know, you can still live out your dreams and, and chase your passions and you don't have to like make this huge grand gesture to do it. Like you can just be a regular person that goes to Istanbul to go shoot portraits. All it takes is a, is a ticket. Yeah. I mean, those bang or bust stories are good too. Um, but, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, it definitely is what inspires me, it, you know, and, and every day that I have like a, a crap day at work or something, I definitely have those banger bus stories in the back of my head thinking, is, is this the time when I just like, you know, sell the farm? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's funny that you say that actually a few years ago, I was reading the Keith Richards biography, um, oh, yeah. Rolling Stones guitarist. Yeah. And you think about a band like the Rolling Stones and you think they're bang or bust, right? You hear about some of their stories and, um, you just think they're epic but they were just really a, a, like what you described they were just workhorses they just got in the studio and made music and they were doing it really well for a really really long time before they got noticed right. and even after they got famous they were still doing that right so you know it's not about getting rich or famous but when you read books like that from creators that you've always admired in your whole life and you're like, sure. oh yeah it's it's showing up every day and doing right, that right. every day no matter how bad it is and, and you know yeah, all we cool. see at the end of it is the songs that they that they released not the shit ones right. that they yeah. they wrote and recorded the and the actually labels sucked. are the ones that you see right yeah so yeah i mean yeah there's a you know almost a daily basis honestly people message me you know and they're asking you know what can i do to you know i think everyone has hope is hoping for like a quick a quick fix to like get big on instagram or get big on whatever and they and they think that getting big is gonna change their lives like that you know like having a huge following is gonna suddenly do something for them and i think it's actually kind of the wrong way of looking at it i think having a huge following is a side effect of showing up every day and like you said just putting in the work and being a workhorse mm. there's this couple that i uh, befriended on instagram as well there i think their handle is called like nomads and pad nomads and paws but they basically do like house sitting for dogs and and that sort of thing and they messaged me when i they had like 700 followers at the time it was like a year ago and they were like hey any tips for reels you know we're trying to we're trying to grow on the platform and i was like guys whatever you do just post every single day whether it's good bad rain or shine post every single day and just watch, like you have to do it for a year i was like commit to it for a year don't stop post every single day and, and i think their account's bigger than mine now they finally had a blowout 
and uh, they had like a string of like super viral reels and their account soared through the roof. They also hit big on TikTok. They were featured in like the news, you know, like they're all over the internet now and uh, they're, they're 10 times bigger than I'll ever be. And it's just amazing to like look at it and be like, you know, they a year ago they were like, hey, how do we take, you know, how, any tips for reels? And it's just like so silly to look back at it because now I look at them and like they're my idol. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's awesome. And I think what I'm learning about you is that throughout your evolution and your journey that you're going through right now, like giving back to others is like super monumental for you. You're, those are the moments that stand out to you the most. I mean, I know you haven't been to, you haven't been to India yet, but you know, just that <laughs> yeah. interaction that you've had just makes you feel like you're, you're giving. Yeah, I think that, to, like I said, that to me, that's the altruistic side of it. Like you have to find what kind of fill, feeds that inner purpose a little bit more. And, and as long as you're like working towards that, um, yeah, the, the rest is gravy. <laughs> Everything would be fine. Have you been taking your own advice and posting every day? I have, yeah. I, I, try, I try to. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It, it, it's definitely difficult to stay up on it, but um, I notice the biggest growth when I do that. For me, it's like, uh, let me think of a good example. So, so with, for example, like bowling, <laughs> think, think like, for example, right. you're going to have your, your account is only going to grow when you when you throw a strike. But how many times are you going to hit a strike every time you throw it? Like, so at the end of the day, like you have to be rolling the ball every single day to get the chance at hitting that strike. Because if you only throw the ball once a week, you're never going to hit it. Yeah. Okay. I get it. As soon as you said bowling, though, I zoned out and started thinking about those <laughs> clown shoes that you wear. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. There's yeah, a, there's Wayne a, Gretzky ice hockey, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. So yeah, just showing up every day and posting it, good, bad, or otherwise, and eventually, like something will, something will stick, and you kind of like level up to that next level, that next platform, and you get to stay on that one for a while. Yeah. So I want to go back to to Istanbul. Sure. Obviously, you're there with a whole bunch of other photographers that have decided to take Emmett up on this workshop what was that like to be around some of your other peers I guess you'd say were there people there that you that you knew already that you hadn't met or were there others that you that you completely didn't know yeah there were some folks um that were already kind of part of that organization as it was that we had met up on other kind of video calls and that sort of thing so I had some acquaintances that were going to be soon to be friends and that was yeah that was awesome I mean it's one thing to like be a photographer and I feel like in, in the world that you and I play in, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, are you the only person that you really know that podcasts a lot? No, I know someone no. else, but yeah, I haven't connected with a lot of other podcasters around here. Yeah. So like, so for example, let's say your circle is, I don't know, a hundred people deep out of, uh, out of those hundred people, how many are podcasting? Wow. You're really blowing my circle out to be much, much bigger than it is. Um, <laughs> uh, one, one. Yeah. I guess but that's my point. Creatives, not sure. just podcasters, creatives, like is full of them. Uh, mostly musos, um, photographers, yeah, creators, creators of some sort. Uh, sure. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that was for me being with other, because I'm, I'm like always the photographer in the group. I'm always mm. like that guy that's like shooting something in the group. And so to be in a group of people that are all shooting something, it was just like mind boggling. It was like over, almost overwhelming because like I've never had so many pictures taken of myself that were all just like amazing. Oh, good pictures. Yeah. yeah like they, they got so many good shots of me. I couldn't believe it. And I it just, I, I'm always taking pictures of other people. It's like a totally different experience to have. Mm -hmm pro photographers taking photos of you but yeah and to learn a lot too i mean i didn't know how to shoot um hyperlapse you know for for city hyperlapse and what's and, that can you explain that for us people yeah regular ones it's, uh, 
<laughs> hyperlapse. It's, uh, I, I mean, I think a lot of, I don't know. You, you probably have it on your phone. I think they call it time lapse on Apple. Oh, but, okay, um, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like where you set up your camera nice and still, and it shoots like a photo every second for several minutes, and then yeah. it blends them all together into a video. Okay, yeah, time so lapse. Yeah, like a time lapse, yeah. But yeah, I, I had no idea how to do that, you know, and it's just one of those things that, you know, people look at the finished product and they think this guy just knows how to do everything, but I'm like, I just shot, I just, I just shot time lapse for the first time a month ago and i just shot landscape for the first time a year and a half ago and you know yeah yeah it's also the location too i mean what a rich location to be able to shoot as cool as you know and and, you know obviously you know it's an incredible experience with with the culture and everyone there um but then like sadly you know the day after i left uh i think i had been home for like six hours and there was a bombing in istanbul in the very streets that we were walking on and you know and i and i thought to myself that kind of stuff is not unique to any one country that happens everywhere i mean america is uh unfortunately plagued with this problem all the time but like you know you're gonna look at turkey for example and people are gonna have kind of that phobia of that region and potentially are gonna avoid traveling there because of the stigma that comes with bombings and that sort of thing even if that was the first notable issue in you know, five years, you know, here in the U S I mean, God, I feel like it's like every other day we have a problem, mm. but people still travel here and they don't, they don't avoid traveling here. Mm. Um, and so it was a kind of a surreal experience to, to wrap up Turkey and have all of this incredible footage. And then something like that happens. And it's almost like a moral obligation to show people that like, this is what Turkey really is. It's not about this isolated incident. You know, it's about here, here, this is, this is what it's about. Mm. Yeah, that's that's really important. Yeah, I can see how when you're so touched by a place and by an experience that you have that it takes a lot more than an unfortunate event and the news report that relates to that. Because, I mean, you're right. When else is Turkey in the news? Right. They're only yeah, go- exactly. They're only going to show you the bad stuff, right? Right. Yeah. Um, they're not going to show you those good stories that we can relate to. Um, so... I think you're right. I think it is your moral obligation because people are watching what you put out on their screens as well as what Fox News or whatever, CNBC or whatever, whoever you have there in the States, whatever they put out. And so, yeah, you're... You have to fight that fire with fire in a way and show the beautiful side of these things and places. And of course, what what a thing to have happen and what an experience to have because... Imagine if that bombing happened before you went to Istanbul. How would you have felt? Yeah, that's that. I've never even thought about it from that perspective. You know, I would have been nervous. I would have been scared. I would have been, I certainly wouldn't have probably had the time that I had because I would have had this preconceived. And it just goes to show you, like, you're not immune to it. You know, even if you go into it with, with open eyes, like, you still can't shake that feeling. And so it's, it's almost like, you know, uh, what's that old phrase? Like, something to the effect of... Um, all it takes for evil to, to succeed is for good people to do nothing. Mm. And, and I think even if you are naturally a good person and are going into a place naturally with, with open eyes, like if there's no other forces of good to try to persuade you in one way or the other, you're going to be kind of unfortunately jaded to that scenario right out of the gate. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, I agree with you. I think I would have been unfortunately very jaded had I had that happened before, but I, I, I promise you this though. I mean, if, if that had happened and then like someone like Emmett Sparling had gone and posted, you know, a bunch of photos from Istanbul, like showing the people and the culture, I would have been like, you know what, that's worth it. That to me, that's worth it to go and see. Yeah. And so I think it just drives home that whole idea of the moral obligation, even, even more that you have to sort of be putting out that side of content so that people can 
go back and visit those places because it hurts the people. Those selfish acts, or those political acts, whatever they are, right. they hurt the people in the community in more ways than just the bombing. Right? It's the, right. it's the lack of interest in, in going back to Turkey that people will have for three, six, nine, twelve months, however long it is. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Um, that hurts. But yeah, that's super interesting that you had that experience. Wow. So, what are you doing right now? You're sit. Are you like me, setting up for? Christmas, or are you still working right through? What's happening in your world? Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, the holidays are coming up, which is pretty cool. Just letting low a little bit. Um, I've got a trip planned to uh, to Hawaii. Uh, gonna try some van life for a couple days on uh, on Maui and drive around in a Sprinter van and cook outside and all that kind of stuff. Are you doing that alone? No, I'm taking my uh, taking my girlfriend with me. So the two of us are going to go together. And uh, she, so she, I, I should reiterate, she's going to be the one that's cooking all the amazing food because I can't cook a hot pocket. <laughs> okay, okay, sure. Um, so yeah, we're going to do uh, three of the four islands, I guess, and uh, kind of explore. And then it's going to be laying low until in low, until February. I've got a um, his name is Rahit. He, I, I follow him on Instagram. If you guys are interested in, um, yeah, we'll share. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rohit. Yeah, he's a he. He runs um uh, an eco-friendly Bengal tiger experience out of India, uh, tracking tigers. And so he reached reached out to me and asked if we wanted to collaborate on some content and uh, and yeah, seeing the tigers. So so that's in February. So you're tying that together with the the taxi experience. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be you know almost a month. It's going to be three weeks uh, in India. And so the first half of it will probably be uh, focused around the safari and, and and the tigers, and then I'll break we'll break off and kind of go do some cultural stuff. I'll meet up with the gals from the from the taxi company, and then the thought is wrap up the trip with um, it'll be my twentieth country, which seems like not that many, but it'll be my twentieth country um, uh, going up into uh, Bhutan. Actually, that'll be twenty one. India will be twenty, and then Bhutan will be twenty one. So do that for like four or five days and go see the Himalayas, and then yeah that's it that's all i got planned okay yeah just you know that's it you know <laughs> <laughs> nothing major but it sounds cool the van life trip in hawaii when you go on these adventures obviously you're going to take a bunch of your photography equipment sure have you got it worked out what you want to shoot and where i mean do you know which stars are going to be in the sky this time or <laughs> this time i do yeah yeah there's a photo pills that's the name of the app if you want uh, an app that does yeah, tell you where they're at, but no, man. Uh, Hawaii is actually the, the biggest blunder of the year for me. Um, I had a bunch of airline miles, and I thought uh, I'm going to use them to get us tickets to Hawaii. And I didn't think to look at how expensive hotels were going to be. And so, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I got the flights for twenty bucks. How how expensive can this trip possibly be if the flights were that cheap? And then I looked, and like hotels, because it's New Year's, are all like seven, eight hundred dollars a night everywhere. There's not a single hotel on on the entire island of Maui um, that's under like five hundred dollars a night. And we're there for five days, so you know they're talking like two thousand dollars, twenty five hundred dollars for for one week, which I just can't possibly. So then, at some point, the light clicked, and I was like, let's go get a van. <laughs> And yeah, so that, that's how the whole van life. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go shoot van life because this is going to be exciting. It was literally because I messed up again. <laughs> so good. Our mistakes yeah, lead to our greatest triumphs. Remember that. I think it's so cool, man. Just like parking at the volcano and like sleeping next to a volcano. Like I think the story is going to be way cooler because I messed up than 
I got some cheesy hotel. I think this is exactly what I mean when I'm talking about the evolution of you right now. We're in this moment where you're still figuring it out and I think the van is the best accident that you'll ever have made. <laughs> Probably. Um, <laughs> Best mistake, not accident, because exactly like who wouldn't want to wake up next to a volcano if you can? I mean, if it's obviously you're going to do everything above board there, right? Um, oh, yeah, no, of course, yeah. But well, speaking of the, I think the other one's erupting right now, right? Okay. Or at least it was three, three days ago, and you can see it from Maui like the sky is red, and you can see it. Uh, it looks like something out of Jurassic Park. So, um, is, is that like a photographer's dream to be there during those moments? Especially if you oh, like you, you have drones. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, I, I I think if it's still erupting, we might have to go and pop over to the Big Island and go fly a drone into it and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, okay. stay tuned for that because the flights are like twenty five bucks, so that's the cheapest uh, volcano experience you'll ever have in right. your life. Right. Okay. Wow. And what happens if you lose your your drone in the ash of a volcano? Oh man, that would be so sad. Um, for for any photographers listening to this podcast that are worried about losing their gear, all I can say is get some insurance for it and then go live your life. Because I think with wildlife, you know, some of our, you know, some of our lenses are just enormous, you know, and, and they're so expensive and all the gear is so expensive and, and you kind of end up babying it and you don't want to like, and you don't get those shots because you're not hanging off the side of a train and you're not in the mud and you're not in the rain because you're just so terrified of damaging your, your stuff. Um, and then like, yeah, I got insurance last year for the first time ever. And it's like 30 bucks a month and it covers everything. And my deductible is like a hundred dollars if I break something. So it's like, now I don't care. Now it's like, yeah, go, go fly that drone into the volcano. Cause if, if you get that shot, how do you beat that? Yeah. Yeah. That's such good advice. That's the most boring thing that we've talked about. This insurance. Hour. Have you ever had anyone talk about insurance on your podcast before? No, no we haven't. <laughs> But it's so worthwhile talking about because you're not going to be fully in the moment if you don't allow yourself that ability to be. And that's just it. Like, yeah. I mean, we can go to all these amazing places, have all of these incredible experiences, have all of these amazing stories to share, or we could go to those places and be trying to protect everything and not really be fully present. And I think that's yeah. that's the point of the insurance story, right? It's about yeah. having the ability to be fully present, as boring as it is. Yeah, <laughs> think about insurance. I'd be surprised how much that comes up. So, for example, I've got this passion project that I'm hoping to do one day, probably not in the next couple of years, but I, I have this passion project where I want to go to Venezuela um, because of what Venezuela's got, well, you're, you're looking at me like you... Oh, that's where I was born. Here, here. Oh, really? Yeah, I was born in Valencia. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. A small world and i was like yeah. i was like i want to go there in a couple of years too That's so you're intimately, you're, you're intimately familiar with the situation yeah for sure but my my listeners aren't so continue well i mean you can yeah so i, I guess in the in a nutshell you know obviously like the situation is not great and and i think the stigma is kind of similar to turkey like you only it only makes the news when bad shit happens and you don't ever really like you know hear about you know, Angel Falls, for example, in Venezuela, which is like what the highest waterfall in the world. And it, it literally looks like a waterfall that's falling off of this incredible, like I've never seen this in my entire life. I think it's the most mm. beautiful waterfall in the world. And nobody gets to see it because everyone's afraid, mm. you know, that something is going to happen to them when they go. And it's like, my family is saying, well, what about all this photography gear and crap? And I'm like, what? Like, just get it insured and you go. And, you know, mm. and I don't know, maybe that's a little too naive of me, but but yeah, one day, I mean, that would be the most incredible trip is to go do a passion piece on Venezuela and kind of make like a docu, mm. docu venture series. 
Yeah, I think the way that your journey's unfolding, I say go with what feels right because it's been you working go, so man. You can interview them. You can do some interviews because I, I, honestly, that's what I'm thinking is like half interview, half adventure. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm down for it for sure. I'll figure out my life. I'll sell all my stuff. I'll hit a home run. <laughs> Two bags, <laughs> and get some insurance. <laughs> um, no, that's that's awesome. Yeah, actually, it reminds me because. I left Venezuela when I was very young and I've seen some things in books and unfortunately haven't been that connected to my family over there. And, you know, with living a life here and with the situation over there, I've never really been that interested in looking, you know, back or, or looking towards Venezuela at this point in my life. And I recently went to Spain and, and hung out with a, a friend, a good family friend of ours, um, Fernando, if you're listening. And he, him and his wife, Kati, were always um, watching YouTube videos of these adventurers. Uh, and they were like, oh, come on, man, Like, come watch some of this with us. Um, we'll show you some really cool videos that these guys are shooting on YouTube of Venezuela. And I was like, wowed. The, go- the yeah. footage that some of these guys are getting of this place in this country. And then I'm sitting there going, shit, I was born there. Like, yeah, man. That's, that's, my, that's my heritage there. Um, yeah, it just, it opened my eyes to it. And that's a feeling that I've never had about that country and that place. Uh, sure. And it was given to me by these amazing content creators that have got a YouTube right, channel. Right. Yeah. You know, so we can't downplay... Yeah. You're from Venezuela and you're getting re-inspired from, yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. wild, man. You, you, you never know who your stories and your photos and your portraits, your landscapes, you never know who they're going to touch and how. You just don't. And yeah, that's what I really love about the whole creative you know, world that we've, we've sort of stepped into. We do it for us. We, we do it because we want to do something cool and fun and adventurous and feel good about certain right. things until we get to that point where we realized that holy shit i just inspired someone else and i had no idea that that was going to happen or that they were going to feel that way about that bit of work so yeah getting emotional right now thinking about venezuela but <laughs> yeah man. well dude this is uh so when's yeah, your trip planned because we're gonna have to tee it up dude, let me know when man i think yeah i think 2024 would yes. be an amazing window 2024 this could be my Emmett Sparling moment, meeting you in Venezuela. No, no, hardly, man. This is, uh, no, 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 no. I, you inspire me equally because I, in the, in the back of my mind, I knew I wanted to do like an Anthony Bourdain type experience, you know? So like culture, adventure, like the crescendo can be Angel Falls, you know, the, but the meat, the meat of it has to be the people. Because if it just if it's just the crescendo of Angel Falls, then you got forty five seconds of cool drone footage, and that's the end of the show, you know. <laughs> but like the meat of it has to be the people. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I always loved about, for example, watching things like Jamie Oliver cruising around Mexico. It was always the the visuals were insane, but he just gets he's so good at getting in there with the people, and I think. That's what I love about those chefs. Even Gordon Ramsay does it. You know, when they go somewhere, well, they need to learn the traditions. And as a chef, they know that the best way to learn how to make the food, the best possible way is to talk to that nonna over there who's been making it her whole life. She knows. Um, So, yeah. So, yeah, I think chefs have really inspired me, actually, in their adventures and their stories. Um, it's really it's really basic right like why do people go to cool places because there's fun things to eat and there's fun things to do 
And as long as you've got those two things, people will come. Yeah. But if people don't know what those two things are, yeah. you know, then it all kind of gets lost because of all of the the white noise from the media, mm. you know, or the, or the lack of noise because not, nothing is being, nothing good is being said, nothing yeah. positive. You show people that there's like this incredible food and, you know, the senses are overloaded with just amazing sights and visuals and tastes and smells. People will go. Yeah. And if enough people go, maybe things might actually get better. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, this is this has been so good. I got a lot more than I bargained for here. Um, Thanks for I was man. a bit, is... I was anxious to, to do this. Cause so, I was like... so was I. So as my first podcast, I've never been on one before. So thank you for uh, for popping that cherry. <laughs> oh, it's the, it's the first and the best. Uh, just kidding. Thanks. No, it'll definitely be the first and best. Yeah, we're going to laugh about this in Venezuela. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and look, it's I was a little bit nervous because we didn't do much pre-production together. I sent you a document. I, I like to be really prepared, but um, I thought, no, let's just wing it and let's see how we go. And I couldn't have come across a more down-to-earth, inspiring person than yourself. Thank you. Thank honestly. You, thank you. Just someone that appreciates the little things, uh, appreciates what it, what it is to just show up every day, has an appreciation for, you know, meeting their heroes and not forgetting who they are and, and what inspires them. That's, that's the stuff. That's the gold. That's why I do this. Um, and so it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show, honestly, Drew. And uh, yeah, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship, I think. I agree, man. No, this is, uh, yeah. Sometimes when you know, you, you know when you know. Yeah, and uh, I think this is one of those moments that doesn't come along all that often, but when it does, you just know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And look, I mean, you you shared a few different bits and pieces with us today. I'll be hitting you up for those links because, of course, I'd love to share them with everyone listening to this podcast. Um, and yeah, usually to to wrap up a podcast, um, yeah, I'd just like to know: is there anything else that you want to say for the for the people out there? Um, anything we missed? Yeah, you know. There's there's a there's something I picked up from Emmett um, in Istanbul, uh, and and it may not make a ton of sense to people that aren't photographers, but um, obviously, like you'll be familiar with this. You know, in photography, you've got all of your different settings, your shutter speed, your aperture, and all that all that good stuff. And there's um, he told me a story about how National Geographic, uh, one of the one of the teams that he was on, trains their photographers with uh, with something called f8 and go get it which f8 is like this really strange aperture where you can't really hit landscape with it because it's not really uh right for aperture or uh, it's not a right aperture for landscape rather and it's not really wide enough for portraits because you don't get a ton of bokeh it's just like this weird in between where you don't like it doesn't really solve any problems for you and i guess national geographic tells its photographers set it to f8 and then go out in the middle of nowhere and just figure it out and you're not allowed to change it. You're stuck at F8. And if you look at a lot of National Geographic photographers' photos, that kind of um, almost sandy look that, that you get where everyone's in focus, but everyone's not really in focus. And it, that's that's all from that. That's, that's uh, National Geographic telling people basically just turn it on and go get it. Turn it on and just go. Mm. And, and I think, yeah, that, for me, that's the takeaway is it doesn't have to be, you know, this big grand thing that gets you off traveling it doesn't have to be that all the settings are correct or that you know the universe is telling you to go sometimes you just got to just go mm. <laughs> and yeah and then you meet people like like yourself and we end up in venezuela two years later mm. Mm. yeah which i'm really looking forward to f8 and go get it everyone did yeah. you did you catch that f8 and go get it 
Love that. And usually to, to wrap up an episode, uh, you may have heard, I like to sort of give us a, a round of applause because, you know, one day there's going to be a crowd here um, recording these. But um, yeah, um, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to have you, Drew. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what you get out of Hawaii, your, your first van life photography adventure. Uh, and yeah, on three, two, one, if you want to join me for a round of applause, let's do it. Three, two, one. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Drew. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Louis Diaz podcast. To find out more about any of our guests and catch additional photos and content from this episode, find us on Instagram at Louis Diaz Podcast.